While they're all talking state standards, we're sitting on a bar stool making fun of them. Classroom Brew Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. We are doing a full-length video podcast for this one, so if my dog starts barking in the background, well, my dog starts barking in the background, and we'll deal with that when the time comes. Uh, we are doing it as a full-length video podcast available only on Patreon, so if you are listening into this one, you can listen to the full episode on your favorite podcast app, but the full-length video is going to be available only on patreon.com slash classroombrew. That's also where you can get the podcast merch and, and different bonus videos and other content that's only available to Patreon. Uh, our current members are James, Lish, Cindy, Melinda, Sabrina, Leslie, Leo, and Adam. So thank you guys for supporting the show and going above and beyond. And uh, everybody else, if you want to, again, join them, just head on over to that link and you'll be able to, I mean, access everything. We've got different videos that you can only see over there. There's some episodes that are audio only that, you don't get a preview of or you don't get the audio-only version. Like it's something that's only uh, through that paywall for, for obvious reasons, depending on what the, the content may be about. Um, for this week, though, we are kind of flying by the seat of our pants. I don't normally do that, especially for a video episode. But uh, this has been, uh, I'm about halfway through, by the time I'm recording this, about halfway through my winter break. And I even just got coffee with Peter, um, who's going to be on the show pretty soon. Um, and we've been talking about the the way that careers for teachers have been going, people that we know, ourselves, and also kind of theorizing where we might end up. Uh, I don't know how common it is for a teacher to start and end at the same school in their career, whether there's time in between at some other place or not. So that's something that we're going to get into, but I want to point out that FAFSA, as of January, what is it, January 2nd or January 1st or whatever, FAFSA is now available. So if you're a teacher who helps students with with FAFSA, which I've done in the past with remote learning, now I'll be doing it with in-person learning, but it's a brand new FAFSA. So this is not your, I can't even say not your mom and dad's FAFSA because it's not even the FAFSA that, that I did when I was going to school back in uh, 2011 to 2015, and then 2015 to 2017. Yeah, I have to be sure to not pass along the trauma of my experience with student loans and filling out FAFSA and asking your parents, hey, did you guys submit your W-2s yet? Did you do your taxes yet? Uh, please, some of my scholarships are still also first come, first serve. So, cheers to that one. Um, Maybe a healthy amount of trauma would be good for them to, to learn from. Uh, I, I say all this because the support that we get for something like that is very minimal because no one knows what to expect. Um, maybe that's part of my stress factor. It hasn't been the most uh, restful uh, winter break because I've been 
trying to clean and organize and things like that. But I've also been thinking about um, my job quite a bit, more than you probably should during your time off. I teach at a neighborhood school, if you don't know. I'm a high school social studies teacher. Um, again, if you don't know this. And as that's been developing my own career, um, that is, the enrollment at my school has been steadily declining every single year. I think the last couple of years, it's been sort of um, stagnant. I guess it's sort of plateau. It's lowered and then plateaued a little bit. It hasn't gone down much more. But compared to my first year of teaching, we have less than half of our school population. We had about 450 to 500 back in 2017. Fast forward to now 2024, uh, we have less than 200. So I, I don't entirely know why that's the case. I know that the pandemic was a big factor, but enrollment has been declining steadily for neighborhood schools for a very long time. Uh, this is not a brand new issue just because of uh, the lockdown or, or anything like that. And I, I say this and I bring this up, it's on my mind, it always has been, but it's especially on my mind because there's been this new, and I, I have the article pulled up, this is from a while ago, like middle of December, where my school district, CPS, or Chicago Public Schools, you know, shout out to them, uh, they want to move away from something called school choice, which sounds bad. It sounds bad to say this, they're moving away from students being able to choose their schools. Um, but essentially, my experience with that is that students have a number of different options from different charter, magnet, lottery, uh, test-in schools, neighborhood schools, what have you. And they have their choice of where they want to go among all of those. And because they are all still part of our very, very, very large district of CPS, there's only so much funding that can go around. And we all know that funding is often tied to things like test scores, but also attendance and, you guessed it, enrollment. So when we talk about school choice, that's all fine and good. Students should have a choice in their education, uh, especially if maybe their neighborhood school isn't the best. The problem is, is that it's hurting the neighborhood schools big time. Like funding for a school of our size is not there. I, I think per student, the average spent should be something like eight to $10,000 per student. I don't know. I'm making it up. Let's just say it's eight to $10,000 per student per year. For us, I think we would maybe get 3000 per student. And granted, we have a smaller population. So yes, of course, should the, the amount of money we receive be less than a school with 10,000 kids if they somehow had 10,000 kids? Yeah, absolutely. I got it. But it is for sure hurting the schools that are being prioritized, like magnet schools, where, of course, enrollment is not going to be an issue. They literally, they attract students from all over who get bussed in, in addition to kids that are right there, and it's within their neighborhood boundaries. So I guess the board wants to pursue a, a policy. This is a goal. This is not set in stone. This is not a decision made. This is just a goal from the district. Uh, it's a five-year uh, plan uh, where they essentially are going to move away from the choice system. They want it to be more uh, neighborhood schools and, and incentivizing neighborhood schools by, I would assume, increasing funding to neighborhood schools to kind of go away from selective enrollment and, and magnet schools. Now, the, the big oops is obviously the phrasing. It's like in the show Parks and Rec when there's a, an insane extremist political group called the Common Sense Party. 
So that way it sounds like if you oppose them, you oppose common sense. So saying something like, uh, we're taking away school choice, I'm sure they're not going to say the phrase taking away, but taking away school choice, it has a very bad, uh, the optics of it aren't great. The other issue to keep in mind is that if they are going to try to prioritize funding neighborhood schools, let's be honest, the biggest concern here is the city of Chicago, and I'm sure many other cities in, in the country, are very segregated. There are more students of color on the south and west sides than on the north and northeast sides of the city. It just is what it is. You can even look up the enrollment and demographics of any school on the north side compared to any school on the south side. Even our implementation of there's this slowly but surely mandated curriculum that we're finding out now is mostly being mandated on south side <laughs> schools. Uh, quite literally by, by race line. Now, I, and again, do I think that students should be forced into a school? No. Does it sound bad saying away, taking school choice away? Yes. But there has to be something to try to help out these neighborhood schools. I do think our district is way too big to sustain all these buildings that are built for 5,000 students, but instead they have 200. See, there goes my dog. It's like magic. Of course he's going to. I'm going to have to cut. He's fine. He'll be fine. Uh, he's just a very nervous boy. Anyway, uh, the goal then is to prioritize neighborhood schools receiving resources and programming. I don't know if that's going to incentivize, <laughs> incentivize teachers to want to teach in schools that normally they wouldn't go to. Um, to be honest with you, I went to a school like the one that I have been working at now for seven years because I thought it was a school that could use good teachers. And I'm finding out more and more that that is definitely the case. But there's a reason that good teachers are not wanting to go to bad schools. And I say bad schools, just whatever, assume my positive intent. I can't believe how many people work or even, even students uh, who go to these schools, how much, I, I'm just going to speak freely because it's a podcast, whatever. Mediocrity is embraced, even encouraged in some cases. Like, you talk about a school where, I'm going to take a, a drink for this. A school where the bar needs to be raised in order to help students catch up to the real world. And that's exactly where people flock to just say, ah, this school sucks, I'm going to continue that and not do anything to push the bar at all. And then you have some people who come in with the best of intentions, and in a number of different roles too, by the way. I am not just talking about uh, teaching. I'm talking about deans and classroom assistants and security guards and case managers, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, whoever it might be. There are so many different roles in a school. You can go on and on and on and on. Even officers, if you have RSOs in your building uh, for, for safety and security or whatever it might be. You would need the best people in those schools to be able to bring it up. Do I think that someone from a really fantastic school with all the funding and support and all the accolades, could they perform well in a lower-functioning school? Yes, probably. Would there be a huge culture shock? Yeah, probably as well. Uh, do I think you could take a teacher from you know one of those schools that is underperforming and put them in a school where it is performing and they would do well? I think that's an easier transition. Now, I say that as someone with a bit of concerns and doubts, 
can I make the transition from a school that I'm at now where I have had to modify things significantly to then suddenly I have students where I don't have to spend five weeks just teaching them how to read before we start reading a few documents. Uh, Would I be able to adjust in time? I think I could, but there is still that bit of a doubt. But I guess I'm just still, after all these years of hitting my head against a brick wall, it never shocks me how complacent some adults are in not just the the lack of progress in a school, but the continued negative progress that a school makes. There are some adults flat out that are actively trying to undermine a school. Just straight up. And they realize it too. They know they could be doing better. Do they give a shit? No. There are some people who don't know or they aren't aware and maybe it would do them some some good to maybe shadow a quote-unquote good teacher in a quote-unquote good school, but there are some people who flat out fucking know that they suck and that what they're doing is undermining everybody else and it's cheapening the education and the experience of kids who need it, whether they go on to college or not, by the way. I'm not saying college will save you, but having a good education, being a free thinker, and having some academic skills, even just some life skills and personal skills, if you're cheating them out of that because you're too fucking lazy to teach or you're too fucking lazy to hold kids accountable, you're not asking much of your kids because you don't expect much from your kids. Raise the standard. So I don't, I don't know. I, I, again, I've been bashing my head against a wall with, with teachers and staff because we get so many kids who, I'm just going to say, good kids, and I'm not saying that there are terrible kids. Good kids come in, and after a few weeks at our school, they are no longer that good kid that they were when they came in. And it's heartbreaking. I think I've even mentioned I had a parent who said they don't even recognize their own son anymore. And that was not even halfway through the year. I don't even want to know what she would have said by the end of the year. She stopped answering phone calls. And that student has since transferred out. And you know what? Good. Maybe he's in a situation now where the adults actually consistently give a shit about their job. Like, take a less important job if you don't want to do your job. You know? Why are you doing the in-school suspension coordination room if you're not helping kids build capacity to not fuck up again? Why are we sending them to you for study hall if you tell them, play on your phones for an hour and don't bother me, as opposed to helping them with what they need help with? Why? Lazy fucks is what it is. Like, I'm just being honest. Mediocrity breeds mediocrity. I bet you there are so many of my former students who never learned a thing in that building, despite some of us giving our best efforts, who probably, their plan is, I'm going to go work in my high school because I know I can get a job there and I won't have to do anything because I went to school there and I didn't have to do anything. So maybe all this is to say, back to the original thing that I mentioned, uh, the stress of this job and things that you're always thinking about. Uh, I, I think the people who stress the most must be the ones who actually try the most. I, and I would bet you money that my coworkers, some of them I barely know, by the way, so I'm judging for sure. Uh, they've probably had a fantastic winter break with zero stress at all. They're probably going to come back from winter break and have zero stress at all because they're just showing up. They have to wake up and that sucks, but that's the extent of their <laughs> work ethic. And some of them show up late, so who the fuck? And at the end of the day, 
I'm not their boss. I'm not trying to say, you know, what they should or shouldn't do with their, you know, career. I'm just saying it makes it hard for me to do my job. They don't do their job. Uh, and I don't know if I'm going to want to bash my head against a wall for another seven years, let alone one year for that matter. Um, so yeah, I'm kicking tires officially. Uh, and I'm, I'm never going to, you know, name my, my current school or anywhere that I have been for an internship or anything like that, because I'm not trying to do that. Uh, but I got to tell you, I think I want to go to a place where I'm not one of the, the few in the minority who are actually trying to do something for the student population, for their teaching practice. Like when they say, if you're the smartest person in the room, I'm not saying that I am, just it sounds really cocky, but that phrase, I'm referring to the phrase, that phrase, if you're the smartest person in the room, go into a different room. It's kind of where I'm getting to with this school. And I've probably been there for a while. Maybe some doubts about moving on, the safety and security. Maybe I have to give myself a bit of a push um, to be able to explore that a little bit more. Uh, but that's where I'm at. So if you are someone who's watching or listening and you have had a recent career change or you've done it once or twice or a million times, uh, I would really love to hear from you guys because I'm really wrestling with this stuff. Uh, I know a lot of people are during this time and theoretically it's a teacher shortage so maybe there's a bunch of jobs that will be open for people but uh i don't know i think i'm wrestling with some guilt some loyalty some frustration as well and also some grass is greener type of stuff and i'm not saying that i'm for sure uh gonna be leaving but i'm also not saying that i'm for sure gonna be staying because i think at this point I need to do what's best for me and my commute and my professional development and my sanity in the world of teaching. So again, there was very little uh, planning for this episode. Just a couple of thoughts uh, for me to, I guess, word vomit out on you. So hopefully it came off as coherent. But uh, if it did come out as coherent and you have anything that resonated with you, uh, feel free to send me an email, classroombrew at gmail.com. Uh, the Instagram, the, all the social media is at Classroom Brew. Um, I would really like to hear from you guys. Uh, it does not have to be on the podcast, of course. Uh, most of you guys, if you reach out, which I greatly appreciate, it has been done uh, through the privacy of just messages or emails. Um, I won't mention it at all, same as always. Uh, but I do appreciate that interaction. Hearing from other people outside of the bubble of my district or my school is very valuable, and I, I truly do value that, so thank you. Uh, but hey, thank you guys so much for listening. Patreon people, thank you for watching. Uh, no green screen for this one, sorry, we are just in the usual sound studio. Uh, but if you want to check it out, uh, patreon.com slash classroombrew. There are t-shirts, koozies, uh, shot glasses, coasters, there's merch. There you go, with the logo on it. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys so much for, for listening, and hopefully I hear from some of you guys. But if not, it's all good. And until next week, class dismissed.
This is Classroom Brew.